0: Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see everybody today, and I hope that you've already been meeting with God and great worship this morning. Everybody thankful for our worship team? amazing, amazing to meet with God. And so what we have today is a very special guest. Many of you know that um, with our uh, efforts here in the city, we ourselves were a church plant, but many years before we were a church plant here, um, we actually had the opportunity to be influenced by church planters in Europe. Um, they are Matt and Christy Rash, and they have been our church planters for our Every Nation uh, church planting movement and ministries in Marseille, France. But not not only in Marseille, France, but really setting the fire of God ablaze throughout Europe and um, spreading the gospel, training people how to minister the gospel wherever they go. And so today, as he's been in the States, he's here to minister to us as a church planter and minister of the gospel today. So can everybody receive and give a warm welcome to Pastor Matt Rash?
1: Good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing? Good. Forgive the Texan accent. I can't get rid of it. Come on. I knew I was feeling the love this morning. Woo! So great to be here in Chicago. Thanks, Pastor Roland and Dee, and for your invitation to, to be with you. Uh, God's just got me on this journey. I was telling uh, a brother back here, um, Wes... He was. Still, I was saying, I don't. I've never been to Chicago in all my life, and then all of a sudden, twice in like less than a year, I'm here. I'm like, how does this work? How does this happen? Um, we live lives that are hopefully led by the Spirit, and you know, when something is in season, it's time. That's what. That's what God's. When God's doing something, somehow everything changes, and we find ourselves doing things we never thought we'd be doing, or we find ourselves in places. Another example is in the last 16 months. I found myself four times in the Ukraine. Before that time, never was in the Ukraine. I don't know why God does things like that, but it's fun, isn't it? I want to introduce you just to my family. I don't know if we got a picture of my family here. That's my parents actually over the right. And my my son, he wasn't having a great day there. (laughs) Not really excited about family photo time. Of course, you can tell everyone else was really excited to be there. Um, The dog, not so much. Maybe it was the wreath around the poor thing's neck choking her or the berries she ate off of it that made her sick. I'm not sure. But anyways, that's our family in our backyard there in in Marseille, France. Those are olive trees everywhere that we have to keep pruned and cut and it is a pain in the rear. Uh, So we're hoping that we have some volunteers come out and at least harvest the olives this year and make our own homemade olive oil. Does that not sound good? So how many of you would like to come over and help us pull all those olives out of the trees? (laughs) It will only take about a week. (laughs) Mission trip. Support the rashes on a real level. Um, anyways, just wanted to share a couple of testimonies. First picture is uh, a couple of people that have come to Christ in the last two months. Uh, Virginia up in the top left there in Marseille had been reached out to by another lady who came to Christ about six months ago and she showed up in church. She says, I'm here to give my life to Jesus Christ. I was like, well, welcome to church. <laughs> and, uh, and sure enough, man, I got to share the, the gospel with her and sit down with her and, and just see how Jesus had revealed himself to her. You know, a lot of times uh, evangelicals, we get a hard rap because we're, it's like we're walking around looking for somebody to pounce on, you know, like, uh, uh, I, I already can tell there's a few of you have been drugged to church today. Um, I just, I could see it in the atmosphere. I could feel it in the air and I was one of you. I just want to relate with you. I know it feels weird to be here. I know you kind of got guilt tripped into it or, you know, somebody, you know, maybe they did use real drugs. I'm not sure. Um, but you found yourself in a place, you're very much feeling awkward, I've, I've been where you are, um, and although evangelicals, we can be a, get a bad rap for dragging people to church, um, or, or trying to get another notch on the belt of salvations, and people get another person gave their life to Christ, hallelujah, um, it is a little weird, but I can just tell you that... Even though we're humans and faulty and kind of weird and creepy sometimes, there is a, actually a God who loves you behind the scenes, sovereignly working. And if you can just get beyond the human flesh of who we are you're actually going to see a really awesome God who loves you who's destined you for great things he has his purposes he has restoration for your soul he'll pull all the fractured identity parts of your soul that have been scattered to the winds through abuse and neglect and he'll pull them back together and he'll bring you back into the true identity for of who you really are who he created you to be he is an amazing God He's got so much love, he wants to just... shower on you, so much security, so much peace. We're going to talk about that a little bit, but that's what happened for Virginie. That's what happened for Francois, a man who had just been in and out of our small groups, just hanging with us, getting to know us, just doing life together, authentic community. You know, to be a part of a small group, to be part of community, doesn't mean you have to be saved to say this prayer or, or dot these, or, or, you know, dot all the eyes or check the boxes. Joining church is about being a part of family, It's about being a part of authentic relationships. And if the church can't have authentic relationships, then I'm sorry, probably the rest of the world is just at a loss. There's no way you can come up with authentic relationships unless you're connected with the God of love who gives you the power to actually overcome all the offenses that come with authentic relationships. Somebody say amen or oh my. Because really that's that's the test of an authentic relationship is offense. There's no such thing as people getting along without forgiveness. Mm. Let it just sink in a little while. There's no such thing as unity without forgiveness. This thing is really, we're just going to move you down there outside of the Matt Rash danger zone. Um, There is no such thing. It's true, authentic family, true, authentic relationships of, of really walking together with people unless there's offense that can be overcome because offense is going to come because we're all obtuse and all jacked up. Anybody here not jacked up? All right. Thank you. So we're, uh, sorry. It's my vernacular from the eighties. It's leftover. I left the country for like 15, 20 years and now I'm back and I'm still using it. I'm Sorry you're just going to have to endure. So Francois, after three years of just doing life, being offended and watching us forgive and, and watching us, just watching the people of God learn how to love each other on purpose by the grace of God activated in our lives. He's just like, I've never seen anything like this. And so about a month and a half ago, he gives his life to Jesus. So that was exciting. A couple more testimonies out of Paris where we just sent a couple about a year and a half ago. We've got a small little core group, of about 20 people now. They're saved. and on fire for Jesus. Our leaders, Ryan and Marita, Kaylee, some people that moved and, and were trained in French, French culture and some ministry in Marseille. And then we launched them out last year, a year and a half ago. And now they've got a great group. Uh, this young lady up in the top left, Marine, and her friend have both gotten saved through an outreach last fall. Marine and her friend are law students, last year law students studying there in Paris. And Marine sitting on a bench on the university campus, our team of 23 evangelists from all over the world, from like 20 nations, all came to Paris for one week and literally six people came to Christ. Now, Let me tell you something. Paris is a tough bird. Just France is a pretty tough place. Europe is pretty tough. But but you don't find 23 evangelists going almost anywhere for an entire week, talking to people, loving on people on purpose, sharing the gospel, sharing faith, and only six people give their lives to Jesus. I started extrapolating the numbers one day. I was like, oh, dear me. How many evangelists is it going to take? Really, it's not even about this. about... Will the people of God just love people on purpose? Can we just love people? Because really, love is what breaks down the walls, isn't it? So Maureen's sitting on campus. One of our guys starts talking to her. She's like, I'm not interested. I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. Get away from me. Within like an hour, she gets a phone call, still sitting on that bench doing some reading, from her sister, who actually was a Christian. She says, listen, I was praying for you, and I know you don't believe in God, but God showed me somebody's going to come up to you wherever you are, and they're going to want to talk to you about God. And you need to listen to him." And she's like, (laughs) what? And she's seeing the guys out talking to people about Jesus, so she's like freaking out. And so she's just like, okay, thanks, bye. She's like, that's just weird. So she goes back to one of the ladies evangelist ladies. And she says, listen, can we talk a little bit? And so she starts sh- talking with her and then she starts listening. And all of a sudden it all starts making sense for her. And within like 24 hours, she gives her life to Jesus. And now she's going to be a top level lawyer in, in France on fire for Jesus. So that's exciting. So those are a couple of testimonies from Paris. And the last photo I'll just share with you is a, a photo of our school of minist- European School of Ministry within the every nation world, um, and I run the campus minister 's track so i 'm actually the every nation campus Ministry director for Europe. I oversee all our training development and all of our campus ministers who are all over Europe. And When we got there, we had like two campuses in all of Europe, and that was 2005. And now I'm so excited to say we've got over 25 universities with about 25 full-time and part-time workers and another 20 to 30 uh, volunteer workers on campus ministry. And these are some of the craziest, most amazing people you'll ever meet. And that's our future leaders. Uh, they're already starting to lead, but they'll be our future church planters, campus ministers, leaders. And now we have a school that every year we have a new intake. It's a year and a half long program. And we take people through all, what it takes to be effective in ministry, uh, theologically, philosophically, etc., uh, in a European context. So that's a joy of my heart. And you know, I was thinking about those testimonies, people coming to Christ. Some of you have come to Christ. You have a young lady getting baptized today. Awesome. Uh, It's going to be a wonderful moment. Uh, I'm going to be there. Hope you are too. It's it's a great thing. She's made a decision to give her life to Jesus. And a lot of times we talk about, I surrendered my light or my heart to Christ, or I asked Jesus to be Lord of my life, and and that's when my life changed. And, you know, the Bible talks about that. It's called being born again, when God causes his spirit to come and dwell in our spirit. And that's why it looks so weird when you're not born again to understand born-again Christians. You just can't understand it. You can't wrap your mind around it because it's a spiritual encounter. It's a spiritual experience. It's something that happens on the inside and begins to give you understanding of a whole world that you never understood before. And then you try to explain it to my my brother or your sister or whoever it is. And they go, I think you're in a cult. I think this is just out of whack. Something's wrong here. Because it's hard to understand spiritual things with natural minds. Right? And so... I think it's, it's exciting to be in this tension because it causes us to have to love people better and better and better. And it causes us to have to endure with people. Like I have people I've been walking with for eight and a half years there in Marseille have still not come to Jesus. And they just said, are we not going to be your friends, you know, if we don't want to serve your God? I said, no, you'll always be my friends. I'll still keep praying for you. I'll still keep loving you. And, and you know what? I do hope you come to faith in, in Jesus one day. But even if you don't, I'm still going to love you. And they just go, I we don't understand this. Like, you don't want to be a part, we don't want to be a part of your club, quote unquote. And yet you still want to be our friend. And this is where the breakdown happens so often in the church world is religious Christian people become religious and it's all about just hanging out with our club instead of hanging out with the world that's around us. That's what Jesus did. Oh. Jesus didn't, he didn't hang out with the religious folks. He was, they were welcome to come around. But as you note throughout the Gospels, they just constantly offended, weren't they? Religious people are always offended by those who are actually doing the kingdom work. don't fall out in the Holy Ghost. (laughs) But you know, it's one thing to make a decision to serve God and give your heart to Jesus, but it's another thing to actually walk with him daily. Amen? Amen. How many of you can say that was easy giving my life to Jesus. It was after I started walking with Jesus. Oh no, this is hard. There's nothing easy about it. Simple. Yes. Easy. No. And, um, One of the things I really love is Luke 8. We're going to throw this up on the the board here. There's a passage, Luke 8, a story of Jesus taking his disciples onto a very vicious sea. Um, It wasn't vicious when he started. And it's one of my greatest favorite scriptures about what it means to actually follow Jesus. You know, most of the little journeys that Jesus took his disciples on around the Sea of Galilee were really pleasant, fun things. Now, they were exciting. Don't get me wrong. There was dynamic stuff happening. I mean, there were people getting healed. There were miracles happening. Demons were screaming and falling, coming out of people. I mean, no time with Jesus was boring. But they really weren't life-threatening until this moment. And here we have this wonderful story. It says, now on one of those days, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat. And he said to them, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they launched out. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep and a fierce gale of wind descended on the lake. And they began to be swamped and to be in danger. They came to Jesus, woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he got up and rebuked the wind and surging waves. And they stopped and it became calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? They were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, Who in the world is this, that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? This wonderful story about that Jesus giving a command, saying, let's go to the other side. This story of Jesus saying, we're not staying here anymore. Come with me. We're going to go somewhere. And they go, yes, sir. And they get in the boat. Because that's what disciples do. We listen for the voice of our master and our Lord. And we say, yes, sir. And we get in the boat. And we go. But often, the words that we heard in the beginning, we are going to the other side. Don't connect with a place of conviction and faith in us that we're actually going to make it to the other side. That somehow... In the midst between starting and arriving, things shake up, and we find ourselves disheveled, looking around, confused, emotions all over the place, going, what are we going to do? No, we're going to die! Because we forgot what Jesus said. We are going to go to the other side. I find this story highly interesting because... It's like our master teaching us, telling us to do things. And what God's trying to do in our hearts is to get us to trust him, to actually trust that what he says is going to come to pass, that when he commands us to go somewhere, to go to do something, it's actually for our good as well as the kingdom of God's good, that it doesn't matter what the circumstances may look like, it's actually going to turn out for the good. I mean, just a little background into the Sea of Galilee for those who may not know. um, I've actually been there, and the Golan Heights are about approximately 2,500 feet above sea level on one side, the east side, and then all around is hills approximately 1,000 to 1,400 feet above sea level, but the Sea of Galilee, it's got multiple names, is actually 700 feet above. Below sea level. I mean, can you imagine the, the, the massive drops? And so, what happens is the winds will blow off the hills, and when the cold winds blow off the hills because it's below sea level, it's hot down there. Those winds mix with the hot air, and it creates these massive storms that can just arise just like that. So, you never know. You could be in the middle of the Valley Sea of Galilee crossing across, which is a, a pretty big lake. And all of a sudden, a storm show up, and you don't see it coming. Now, the worst storms are the ones that come off the Golden Heights from that big 2,500 feet drop, dropping 2,5730 3200 feet, and it creates these massive storms. In 1992, they recorded 10 foot waves on the Sea of Galilee. How many of you are sailors or boaters? Anybody? Got one, two. All right, so those who don 't know, typically the rule of thumb for boating is you don 't take your boat out in certain weather because you could die. The general rule is you, for every foot of sea, you need ten foot of length of boat now there's other factors come in, but this is just a general rule: a foot of sea that's waves the higher the waves so, so if a wave is a foot high. You need a boat 10 feet long, or else it's gonna get really dangerous. So, if you have 10 foot waves, you need a 100 foot boat. Well, I'm just telling you, they just found this boat a few years back. I was there, I took this picture, and it's been, they've actually done a replica. This is a boat that was found at the time, it was there at the time of Jesus. The waves and the, the, they had a drought, all the water went out of the Sea of Galilee, and it went down so far, and some kid was out there. You're know, trying to find clams or something, digging around, found some wood. They called the archaeologists. They discovered this was a boat that sunk at the time of Jesus. They've dated it and everything. So now they've created replicas. These boats were approximately 25 to 28 feet long. So you do not go into the Sea of Galilee, anything over about three foot of waves in something like this. So now you throw 13 men in a 27 foot boat, and you're starting, and it's all calm. Everything's ha- everybody's happy. No, there's no hesitancy. Yeah, let's follow Jesus. It's going to work like it always has. There's going to be free pizza on the other side. <laughs> Multiplying pizzas. Um, and all of a sudden, this storm comes out of nowhere, creates winds and storms. And that's why I used that Rembrandt photo in the beginning. I don't know if you've got that Rembrandt. Uh, can you switch back on the media? There's a Rembrandt on the left-hand side. Just go back a slide, maybe. And it's, it's a pretty accurate picture. This is a lost Rembrandt. I don't think they've found it yet. It got stolen. And, and this is these are like six to eight-foot waves here. I mean, this thing it is not what you call a fun ride. This is not, let's go to get on a roller coaster. This is like people throwing up in the boat all around you. You're getting puked on. I've been in a boat one time where we went out to go deep sea fishing and we had to turn around and go back. And we were, ha- he was having to throttle it appropriately. Thankfully he was a good driver. And we were going with these roll and we're doing like this and it doesn't look like that. It's just a big waves. It's pretty good skies, but it's waves and we're doing this. And pretty soon all five of us are, well, this isn't fun. This is no longer fun. I want my mama. (laughs) Mama. So here's my bottom line is, we don't know that those waves were 10 foot high. But I can promise you, (laughs) this thing's real. Archaeologically, scientifically, we know that is a zone where these kind of things happen. These guys were literally fearful for their lives. They're holding on. And I'm, I'm just imagining... The argument wasn't long, do we wake him or not? It wasn't a long argument. It was, there were probably some cuss words flying in that place. We don't like to think of the disciples as, as not being cleansed and fully sanctified, but quite honestly, this is before the day of Pentecost. I'm sure their fisherman backgrounds and their tax collector backgrounds were all coming out of their mouths, along with the, the throw up. And so that's why I wrote, the safest place to be is in God's will. Because you can be assured wherever God leads you, he intends and superintends his will to all work out for your good and for his as well. You can always trust in his commands and his teachings. He's good, he'll he'll protect you. The safest place to be is always in God's will. That's why today if you're sitting here and you're going, well, I know God told me to do something, but I'm not quite doing it all you're not in a safe place. Oh dear, why did he say that? <laughs> because I'm going to tell you another thing I learned early on, and that is partial obedience is the same as disobedience. as when God, our Father, who loves us and wants to provide for us and protects us, says, go over here, pursue this career, study this thing, play this instrument, learn this thing, go on a mission trip, serve those people, give away your money. It's for your good. It's for the kingdom's good. There is more good that can come out of obeying God than not. And until we actually go do that, which we know God is telling us to do, there's going to be serious war on the inside here. And I know after praying that today, I'm speaking to a few of you today. You're like, I'm doing 90%, 95% of what I know God's told me to do. But there are some things that are in this room. There's some people in here and you're holding on to a couple of things out of fear in your life. You're holding on because you're, you're afraid if I go that far, what's going to happen? Jesus is not some kind of, hey, you know, take a few of things that I say, you know, apply it if it feels good, you know, and it makes you feel better, great, whatever doesn't work for you, that's cool. It's like a buffet, it's kind of a little of that, a little of that, but not, none of that if you don't like that. But as long as it feels good, like a good massage, like, oh, yeah, hit that point. You know, like my dog, I scratch her and that, that leg starts hiking up and go, you know, it's like that's the part she likes the most, you know. I go somewhere else, she goes, hey, Hey, she turns around. Hey, hey, you got the wrong spot there. And then she sticks her booty back over on that side. Next thing you know. Well, that's kind of like we treat God a lot of times. We want him to scratch our itch where we want it scratched. But he's trying to get us into a whole new level of breakthrough and victory. He's trying to get us into a whole new level of impact and purpose for our lives. And we're missing out on it because we want our itches scratched. Hmm. Somebody say, oh, me, oh, my, oh, Lord. If God has led you somewhere or made you to know what you need to do and you're not doing it, you need to take a serious change of course immediately. Now, there is the aspect of the timing of God on some things and wisdom of how to do something and when to do it. But you cannot expect the mercy of God to last forever. That's called testing God. The difference between mercy of God and the grace of God is the mercy of God is getting something we don't deserve, but the grace of God, no, I'm sorry, the mercy is is not getting what we deserve, but the grace of God is getting what we don't deserve. The grace of God is his empowering presence to live the life we've been called to live, to be who we've been called to be, and do what we've been called to do. It's, it's more of the engine, the motor. It's his grace. And when we're humble, we get lots of it, thanks to what James says and Peter says. So when we humble ourselves, grace comes to empower us to live the life he's called us to live. But mercy's different. It's, it's, not, it's, it's getting something we certainly don't deserve. And a lot of times when we're not walking in the perfect will of God, we're doing our own little thing. His mercy covers us for a season. And then all of a sudden, one incident or big disappointing moment or storm in our life turns into two or to three. And we go, I don't know why this keeps happening. You know, I prayed. Well, pray is one thing, but obey is a totally different thing. You can pray all day long, but if you're not obeying what you know God has called you to do, you're going to find yourself testing God and his mercy on a daily basis. Now, is that meant to put people in fear? No, not at all. We serve a really loving, amazing God who wants to bless you and give you the power to live it. But at the same rate, why would you want to test God? Why would you, if you love God and you're serving Jesus, why would you want to test him and and not be fulfilling everything for which he's called you to do? Because the reality is we'll be much happier, live much more peaceful lives when we're actually flowing with what he's actually called us to do in obeying him. The other thing I just want to mention is Jesus was sleeping in the midst of this massive storm. And the one thing I wanted to tell you today is Jesus wants to give you a peace that actually gives you the ability to sleep in the storms that can come in your life. And the only way that comes is two quick keys and we'll be done. I'm just going to say it real quick the number one key is intimacy. Intimacy with God is what Jesus had. Jesus would get away daily. He would pray. He would spend time with the father. He said, I only do the things I see the father doing. And I only say the things I hear the father saying. Jesus was the perfect example of synchronization with God, the father and his will. I like to call it like a chiropractic adjustment. He was aligned well. Because when you aren't aligned well, nerve endings are tweaking, and body parts do funny things, eyes start twitching. And that's what most Christians look like. I mean, you don't think you do. But if we could have a view in the spirit, this is what the average Christian looks like. But Jesus actually wants to give us the ability to walk like this, or preferred method of cool walking, whatever. Whatever. But near, he wants to give us a smooth walk. It was like when I used to play golf, and I thought I was pretty good at golf. And then I went and finally, some, one of my friends says, I want to give you some lessons. He's a golf coach. I said, sure. And he tweaked this, changed that, and it wasn't major changes, but it was like, Ugh. And my whole body was going, this ain't right, this ain't right, this ain't right. But the ball kept going straighter and further. I went, hmm. So sometimes when the adjustment comes, it doesn't feel right, but it is right. Jesus had this intimacy, this alignment with the Father that is what brought about his peace in the storm. He knew the Father's will so well he could be confident, I know I'm going to the other side. The, the fact that Jesus knew he had to go to the cross, die on the cross, and resurrect from the dead to save humanity or to give humanity a chance to be saved and to know the Father was what he knew. That sovereignty has got to happen, therefore I know I can take a nap in the midst of a storm. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace. The peace of God, the nature of what God did in Jesus and what he's doing in Jesus is incremental and growing. That's why we see Jesus growing in favor with God and man. We see Jesus bringing peace in the midst of the storms. He reminds me often of my friend who's an emergency room doctor, Josh Helms. And Josh, when he comes upon emergencies, he brings peace. last thing you want is, you, is a guy like me being an emergency room doctor. You know? Ah! Somebody go get this guy! Somebody go over there! Pull that thing! Cut him open! Am I in charge? Absolutely. Do I know what needs to be done? Absolutely. But am I actually helping the situation? No. Because everybody's nerves are like this. I'll never forget, Josh showed up into an emergency situation we were in, and Josh just like, okay, what happened here? Okay, now wh- where did that come from? Okay, let's look at that. All right, how does that feel? And you know, he's just kind of, and there's me over there freaking out. I was like, I want to be like you, man. I want to be like that. So Jesus started teaching me his secrets. And if we want to be a people of peace, it's going to take intimacy with the Father, just like Jesus had. Because when we're intimate, he reveals his secrets and his will to us. And when we know his will, it gives us faith to overcome anything between here and there. Second thing is Jesus was secure. The security of Jesus meant that he knew who he was, whose he was, and therefore what kind of authority and power he walked in. When you don't know who you are, whose you are, you won't know the authority and the power that you actually carry within you. And because Jesus knew the authority and power, he knew whatever situation he was in, he's going there, he could command the storms to calm down and things to get out the way. That's what Jesus did. He walked in his authority and his power, and therefore he could sleep in the midst of the storm. If you want to have peace, eternal, supernatural peace, like the peace here, being anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God will surpass all comprehension and guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What does it all start with? Through prayer, supplication, giving thanks to God. Why? Because when we start thanking God for every little detail and every big thing in our lives, humility starts coming into our heart. Grace starts flooding in. Revelation starts coming out. We start understanding the heart of our father who loves us and gave his son for us and his peace starts flooding in. And that, uh, that war against all the worries and the anxieties that we're battling with and how is this going to happen and how are we going to get there and what if this happens and what if that happens. All of that stuff gets drowned out. A person of prayer, of intimacy and security and who they are, knowing who they are, knowing the authority that's in their lives is always going to overcome the storms in their lives. Now, I'm not talking about some, you know, fake, in, fake security. I just, arrogance is like the greatest fake security we have in our society. People walking around like they've got it together, and it's like a facade you can all see through. It's like cheap furniture that you, no offense, it's like cheap furniture though. High gloss, high shine, but the first time somebody sits on it, it all falls apart. Anybody ever bought cheap furniture? I'm I'm not too ashamed to say I bought cheap furniture. And you go, why this thing, this piece of crud? What the heck? Like, well, you bought it. You start looking into you, like, wow, it really it is cheap. But boy, that shine was looking good, man. They they glossed it over really well. Be careful for all the glitz and glamour. Everything that shines too well, always look behind. Made where? <laughs> I'm not saying I didn't say a nation. I just said made where. By who? How many hours? But there is something to say about that. There's something very strong to say about security. And you know what? The greatest thing we can offer this world is our intimate relationship with the Father where we're receiving a download of his love and of who he is and of his identity for us. And walking in the security, knowing whose we are and the authority that is upon us. Because when we walk like that, We're just like this giant conduit of his love and security and peace. And it just starts overflowing on all those around us. And then when the storms of life are hitting, everybody looks to us. And they say, what do we do? Peace. Be still. And everything comes down. Everything comes down. And everybody goes, how do you do that? And we go, sit down here. Love to have a chat with you how does God bring his peace into the world? How does God bring us the ability to sleep in the midst of our storms through his people who are connected with him, walking in his authority and power? So I want to just say a prayer with you guys today real quick. And by the way, that's the, this, that's the Lake of Galilee or Sea of Galilee, the picture right before from when I was there five years ago. And that's what it looks like on an average day, the nice peaceful that's how, that's how it looked when Jesus and his disciples got in the boat. <laughs> no fear. There's no fear when you see nothing ahead that looks terrible. <laughs> so can we stand together and pray before the, and invite the worship team to come up? <clears throat> Father God, I just thank you so much for all these wonderful people here that are here to serve you and to try to love you and to understand who you are. Thank you for those who Maybe be here that they just got dragged here, church is not their thing, they really didn't want to be here. I thank you, God, that they're able to understand. Maybe they were able to hear something today through the music, through the announcements, through the, just the different people talking something about the love that you have for them, something about the undying love. I thank you, Father, that you love them before they were even born. You love them when they are at their darkest, deepest moment doing the worst thing they've ever done. You love them just as much then as you love them today. God, I thank you. You loved all these people in this world, all the Christians even, the people who actually follow you, Jesus. You loved, you haven't loved us more now than you loved us before because your love never changes. It's like a, a dad or a mom. I don't, I don't not love my kids because they disobey. I don't stop loving my kids just because they don't do what I want them to do. No, God, your love has no bounds, no problems. Your love can reach even the darkest heart and turn it around supernaturally. And I thank you, Father, for what you're going to do in our hearts. I pray, God, today that those who need to make a decision to say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus, they would do so today. They would, they would get off the roller coaster of religion doing some good things, but never really fully obeying you and just saying, okay, I'm all in. A full abandonment, a full 100% giving of their lives to you. Jesus, I pray right now you'd, you'd touch their hearts. They would know today is my day. I need to really get off this other path of fulfilling my desires. For those who are obeying God in most ways, but yet they know they're just not, they're not doing what they need to be doing. I pray God for your grace to come today and they'd be able to step over the line and go, okay, God, I'm, I'm all in. I'm, I really want to just do what you've told me to do. And God, for, this, for the storms that people are going through right now, I pray for your supernatural peace to just invade this place. For those who are going through storms, it's no fault of their own. Maybe, maybe somebody hurt them. There's abuse, neglect. There's storms of the soul. There's storms in the family unit. Lord, I thank you that you can come supernaturally and begin your, bring your peace into their minds, their hearts, and their souls. We thank you. You are a God of peace, of love. Yes, God, you didn't ever create man just to experience you with our brains. You, count, you made us to experience you in our souls and in our bodies and with our minds. So, Father, I pray for just a supernatural love encounter today just with me, lift your hands and say, God, I want to encounter your love fresh and anew. I don't want the same old, same old. I really want to encounter your love, Father, in an authentic, real way. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you know the heart of every person here. If they really want that love encounter, God, I thank you, you're going to give it to them. According to your faith, be it done unto you. According to your desire and your hunger, May the Lord meet you in his powerful, loving ways. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. At the end of this first song, I'm going to invite our prayer team for the church to come up here. And, in, and anybody who wants prayer, you say you want to get off a roller coaster, you're going through storms in life, you need supernatural healing in your fam- family members, I promise you, God's going to meet you there. Why? Because he is the one who promised it not me. God is going to meet you. I can't explain how it all happens and what happens and what order and what timing. I mean, I got healed in my ear 14 years after I got injured in my ear and prayed nonstop and nothing ever happened. And 14 years later, I got supernaturally healed in my ear. Why did it take 14 years? Why did it? I don't know all the wise. Don't ask me that. But I do know God, he always rewards faith faithfulness. He's a rewarder of them that seek him. Not just one time, two times, but diligently, faithfully seek his face. Not just for healing, but for anything you're going through. Knock and keep on knocking. Right? Jesus is one looking for perseverant faith. and You're going to have a peace that surpasses all understanding. You're gonna be able to make it through any storm in your life. But if you want prayer, after after that first song, we're gonna have the prayer team.